0: used to build my probate based real estate business is advances in inheritances helping attorneys uh move more smoothly helping families get uh, money ahead of time to get the best result and while at first blush many attorneys will say things like it's expensive or the interest rate is too high The reality is my experience has been that more customers get better outcomes uh at least by exploring the opportunity of advanced inheritances we're lucky to have today an attorney with one of those firms that i've worked with uh actually sponsor of my pro, get probate cash program uh christopher from inherit now christopher welcome to our call today
1: hi bill thanks for having me appreciate it
0: so uh first off give a little background you're an attorney i think you're based in pennsylvania
1: that's right i am in-house counsel for inherit now i'm a pennsylvania new jersey licensed attorney that's where I grew up. That's
0: where I am my I I I I
2: children, I I children. I I I I I don't hear it now.
0: That was wow. that was rough. That was,
2: that was rough. I just unmuted myself and then yeah. all of a sudden.
0: We're good now. Wow. Okay. So I don't know what it is. Something to do with the sharing all or right. the program. I think we're okay now though,
1: maybe. Okay.
0: So you you licensed in Pennsylvania as an attorney. Yes, we grew up.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm a New Jersey PA attorney. I, I got my legal experience uh, first few years in Pennsylvania. I was a civil litigation guy for like a mid sized firm. I was never a probate guy. You know, funny
0: this hold on a second. This Did is you not for me. I don't know what we're doing. Sorry. No, it's not your fault. To, I've changed a couple of things my computer. I'm going to go back to what I've done before. I'm going to jump off the call and come back on. I'm going to cancel the Zoom and help I'll you all stay here. there. I'll be,
1: I'll be here.
0: Uh, sign. I'm going to leave it to
1: you. I guess I'm running the show now.
2: I guess you are. I'm Jess. I'm Bill's assistant.
1: Jesse I popped on me.
2: camera. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. There's some audio issues happening today. Um, <laughs> wow, that
1: one was scary for a second. I was like, I thought I was in like a feedback loop.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, is it just me? I was like, do I need to text Bill? Like, am I going crazy? Like, what's going on? Yeah, um, I just stopped yeah.
1: talking because it just kept going
2: anything's better than the Zoom Bombers. Some of our like regulars, Winston knows, there's like, we had some real intense Zoom Bombers for a while. Um, They were like taking, they were like putting their names in as other people's names. So it was hard to tell like, you know, it's like, oh, we know Winston's name because he's on the call every week. And so, but now there's two Winstons and one is playing adult content on screen share. And how do we get them out without kicking the real Winston out? And it was, it was crazy. So we locked down the security stuff, but apparently we've somehow created audio Issues. That's fine. Tech. Do you need good. me
1: to admit people? It, it looks like I, I don't. i the host right now. I don't want to.
2: Yeah, you can let people in. That's totally cool. Alright. Um,
0: sure.
2: Bill should be back in a minute. He's probably just logging out and back I'm in. Just... So.
0: So Bill will be back, right?
2: Bill will be back.
0: So. All right.
1: <laughs> otherwise, I'm just here.
2: Just... No, otherwise, you're here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, chris if you want to continue on with your background until Bill shows up,
0: I think that's he what he would do. Oh, here he is anyway. Okay. I still have some tremendous feedback. I don't know what in the world.
2: We don't have feedback for the rest of us, or at least I am hearing everything loud and clear, so no feedback.
0: Okay. So let's continue Then I'll just find some way to deal with it. So, um, how you mentioned how you got your license, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, how did you end up in a company that does inheritance advances?
1: yeah so i i was a civil litigation guy i was in a mid-sized firm on partnership track um you know doing everything from eminent domain suits with amtrak and ppl to you know landlord tenant law disputes like everything i I mean i was i was not getting any specialization i was just getting the full litigation experience i was a i'm a great researcher that's one of my i think my best skill sets I'm really good at legal research so I was just pulled in all sorts of directions by anyone who needed me, and that kind of burnt me out a bit and I didn't see myself being a partner there in like a track that I liked. And so I have a pretty unique actually I think you know first few years as an attorney I just stepped away from law for three, four months and decided to go travel the country for a few months and that's what I did didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a litigation attorney at that firm and just nothing was you know, pulling my heartstrings. So I just took some time off, went to like 30 national parks and hiked and then landed in a sort of general collection space, almost managing collection spreadsheets as just something to, I just needed a job again. And this, this uh, opportunity almost fell in my lap and it was just a perfect fit uh, to be in-house counsel for this company. And we have a parent company that I do some things for here and there, but I'm uh, it was just a perfect match between my CEO and the you know more global counsel that they needed someone that could problem solve and that knew how to get money but they didn't want a probate person they didn't want an estate attorney like you know that's not the type of guy they needed there they needed a litigation guy who could figure out probate and that's exactly what I was like I, I I could I know how to get money uh, I know how to make cost-benefit analysis to say it's worth it to sue this person. It's not worth it. I, that's my bread and butter. All I have to do is now learn probate across the country and see how that fits in and with our contracts and understand that. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm about six months exactly uh, here, and and I think I have my feet under me a bit. Although, you know, I'll never get cocky because this world is crazy. But um, yeah, so that that's my path. Litigated for a few years, took time off, got into some collection space that I was not going to be long term and and it just was a great opportunity that just sat perfectly with them sat perfectly with me and I'm happier than ever
0: so is the collection part because many of the estates are like um lawsuits and the person passes and how to collect the money the company's buying or is it the actual process of the probate and collecting the inheritance advance that's the collection focus part
1: it's it's a mix of all of those things and more and so that was another thing like they were looking at collections people people who just did straight debt collection and that wasn't me i'm a problem solver i'm a and that's what they want because as you know this probate world the problem could is most likely different every day it could range from family disputes to just an administrator not doing their job to in our case sometimes you know, for example, the estate will just distribute the assigned inheritance to our customer and then we got to go chase the customer and say hey you, that was supposed to be distributed to us, I mean. The the list of problems doesn't stop in terms of differentiating problems so. It was really just they're looking for a problem somewhere problem solver someone who could research the novel issues get a basic understanding of probate in 46 states or however many we're kind of participating in and. and yeah it's it's a problem solving job more so than a, a collection I don't know collections is is too broad and simplified of a term for what I do, like, for example, like, I've spent on one issue just just dealing with the customer and just people just kind of dealing with them as a human and just walking them through things and, you know, hand holding I mean it, it it's so different every day so.
0: You know I think that as real estate agents in the private space we get paid to solve problems and so often we mistakenly look for the easy business but where there is problems most people can't get over that wall we solve the problem that's how we get paid now it's a little different when you work for a company maybe maybe not it certainly makes the job interesting that you deal with different things on a regular basis
1: yeah yeah i I would say though for the most part like if you look at you know the book of business in any probate advanced company the vast majority of these advances are, are no problem i don't even look at them and the money comes in and but but those problems that do come up require quite a bit of attention and quite a bit of elbow grease um and, and on top of that you know just let's think about the advanced business you know I, there's certainly plenty of customers who great people want money for one reason or another. There's other people who all of a sudden they hear Aunt Sally is going to give them $50,000 and they want it as soon as possible to go buy whatever they want to go buy and they're going to run away. I mean, so there's that reality of just when you're offering people money before they're supposed to get money, you're going to get a certain category of problems, if you will.
0: Right. And then part of your business, I'm sure, is just setting up the proper legal operations to do your business, right? So let's start off with that a little bit. On this call, we have 59 people, 60 people from around the country. California, we have a very set process for um, uh, buying an interest in an airship. In other states, it's not as developed or procedurized, right? right. So describe what that's like when you go into a new state. Uh, let's say you're advancing for the first time or, or, or you had problems before, and you go back into a state, it's been a while. What's the process like to find out how they can do the advance and you can protect yourself
1: so i'll say there's there's a few states uh california is at the forefront of creating procedures for this industry california is the first to make a statute on inheritance advances and sort of some minimal requirements that they'd like to happen or at least providing opportunities for this to be reviewed by the courts but most other states i mean it's the wild west there's Half of the estate attorneys don't even understand the product, so I'm right. I'm stuck explaining the product to them, and half of them think it's a loan. And I'm like, there's no loan here. This is not a loan. We purchased a property interest, a portion of a property interest. And so, you know, in those states where there's there's no you know re- like regulatory scheme like California, like Illinois and New York, or other ones where there's statutes on this, and the probate attorneys are generally aware of it and there's enough of uh you know there's enough players that it's you know if you just tighten your contracts up and file them right you know it's it should be fine but otherwise really so how we i don't know part of an underwriting huge consideration in this wild west atmosphere of states is that all of these companies had to get together and and basically make an agreement as to What happens when all of us advance on one estate, who gets paid? And so we've all kind of, the industry players have come together and have this, there's no law, there's no case, there's nothing that any lawyer is going to point to, but we have an industry standard that is a first in time, first in right filing. So if we get to the courthouse first and say, hey, Bobby, you know, assigned us $20,000, but in reality, a month before Bobby contracted with another company, but they didn't file it. Everybody's come together and agreed that we get paid first because we came to the courthouse first and filed our piece of paper. And that is a gentleman's agreement across the board. And and so you get to these situations in Arkansas where someone, you know, what happens when maybe someone gets money before us and we're supposed to get it. Now you're I mean, it's it, it is completely Wild West in these in these states where there's no scheme. And most estate attorneys are hesitant to respect it, and so and when they've never heard of it before, they say, "Listen, I don't care what you contracted with this customer. I'm giving the money to the heir. You can go deal with it with them." And then we're just stuck in a you know a litigation space, which is crazy. So we really you know have most of our advances in the, the big states where there's like at least a, you know a, some sort of procedure where the court blesses it beforehand. So there's none of this estate attorney at the end of the day you know last minute across the finish line they we waiting for a check and all of a sudden the no check comes and we're scrambling to figure out where the money is so they, so in california following sorry go ahead
0: i'm sorry i was just going to explain for those listening i'm very familiar in california with the process where when you do an advance the customer signs a contract with you and then that document gets filed with the court So everybody's unnoticed that this has happened. The judge knows it, other heirs know it, objectors know it, the public would know it, other creditors know it. So it's plenty of opportunity to form a argument if it's not valid for whatever reason. And so while there's a procedure and it takes time and effort and energy, on the positive side, it means that there's a process to it that works in California. And to your point about other states, I was invited on a mastermind of attorneys in Arizona. And when I talked about your product, they thought I had invented fire. What? How do you get money before the estate settled? That's impossible. Right. And I'd say, well, it doesn't matter if a company's willing to write a check to your cl- client. What do you right. care? Right? I mean, you should c- carry a client in general, but it, just because you don't know it doesn't mean you should get in the way of your client getting a service.
1: Right, right. And so, I mean, uh, the other, I guess, flip side of the consideration of when these states, California, Illinois, off the top of my head, where there's these procedures to get your assignment blessed, there's a cost associated with that. I'm not a California attorney. We get to go pay California, a lot of times LA attorneys at that LA cost to go file a document for us and it costs us money. And so we have to now consider that in our underwriting process of, well, there's an additional cost built into this too to get it blessed, you know? Whereas these other states, we don't have that protection, but it's a little bit cheaper and quicker and easier to do the thing, if you will.
0: And that's how I really came across your company was actually you had filed uh, an advance on a case I was involved with. And I saw the documents through how they were done. They were done by the attorney, which was unusual. Normally they're kind of done behind the attorney's back. In this case, you, you'd use the attorney as the conduit. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And number one, I wanted to reach out to that attorney. Number two, I wanted to reach out to you to find out more about how you operate. So for those of you listening on the call, this is live on Zoom. Um, We also live stream it onto Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you're watching on the social medias, feel free to put comments in. If you're watching live, we'll keep them on watching for those. If you're on the recording, I'll try to come back to them and answer them or refer them to Christopher as appropriate. And the other thing I would say is I have a separate call I do every week on Wednesday mornings at 8.30 called Get getprobate.cash. And I actually do this in conjunction with one of Christopher's colleagues uh, from here right now where we train, explain, and try to educate realtors, investors, and attorneys on how to use this product because I do think it's underutilized and a lot of it's because it's not a lot is not known about it and that's what i'm going to bring to you guys attention so uh, in some ways because you're kind of like a realtor in that in some states you're not licensed you can't do legal work but you have to learn the legal process you have to follow the business process you probably have to negotiate or argue with somebody who is an attorney or is an attorney in that state So let's talk a little bit about how do you um, learn about all these other areas? Is it just case by case? You open up that state's probate code or do you have classes you've taken? Do you network with a bar association? What are things you do to learn in these different jurisdictions?
1: Uh, Westlaw is my best friend. Uh, Westlaw is my right-hand man and Westlaw is my best buddy in the whole world. All day, every day, I'm even if something just comes to my head and and I am like, oh, in Illinois, is this is it the same here? I'm just constantly making connections and my and building my own sort of law um, that I I use, um, but it's it's mostly case by case that I'm researching based on the issue because there's there's so many moving parts all day every day that I frankly don't have three hours every day to just get up to speed. And so I just have to pick topics and problems that I see recurring and then just go to the states where we have the most volume and just try to get a handle on it. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm still trying to figure out homestead in Florida, still trying to figure it out. <laughs> it's a struggle. I mean, I get basics of it, but and how we get around it, you know, it's it's an, a constant thing. And and I will say that a little bit of my, you know, so I will hire local attorneys in Florida, California, Texas to do piecemeal things, or um, you know, to just file things, and I'll often just run things by them, and and you know, I've in conversation with one of our Florida attorneys about you know maybe a potential new process for Florida that might help us avoid some issues, and you know, so I, I do lean on a little bit of my partners, but to be frank, it I'm just I'm just researching, and that's my best skill, and I think that's my where my time is best spent, and I'm um, I'm building my own treatise if you will um in a sense as time goes by
0: so those who don't know westlaw is a legal research tool and I imagine today it's all online when i was in college i in i clerked for my father who was an attorney and one of his partners and those days westlaw was a series of books and every month you get the updates and then the insurance job would be to take the notebooks and update with the new sheets pull out the old sheets not lose anything um And now I'm sure it's all searchable, and you probably carry it on your phone wherever you go. So, you're really talking about being able to research the law. But we as realtors can do the same thing to a degree. There is in California a lot of probate code you can research. And I'm not suggesting we do that to advise our customers legally, but at least on our procedures, if it gets down to how to sell a house at court with court approval, all that's online, it's in English. And I remember I've had an attorney say to me, well, you're an attorney, how do you know that? It's in English. I read, I had the probate code book. It's right there on my bookshelf. You know, you open it, you read it. It's not that complicated. I don't know all the constitutional law foundations behind all this, but I know that it says, if the commission is based on A, B, and C, I can add A, B, and C together and make a decision. And so I, I imagine a lot of your business, CRISPR, is really just taking these states that you're not an expert in, and applying your research expertise, and then trying to get the local attorney or the local client to understand that you know what you're talking about, right? And, and, and for those listening, this is why I wanted to interview him, was it's not that different than what we do, I don't think. It's just he's an attorney, right? To some degree?
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say that's, that's generally a fair assessment of it, yeah.
0: So where do you see people using the inheritance in advance and making a mistake with it i mean i'm sure you see cases where um they're not entitled to the airship and the inheritance and that's an underwriting problem for your company do you see cases where people regret advancing the money because it worked out against them i mean know there's a fee they have to pay back on top of the advance but they didn't have the use of the money do you see that very often
1: you mean sort of like a regret type thing mm-hmm. like they regret doing yeah. it um uh, I think there is a small element of customers who don't care don't read until at the end of the day we tell them how much their rebate is and then all of a sudden they I didn't read that you know which is you're going to have in any sort of loan or advance but I I don't I wouldn't say there's much of a re- regret pattern of like you know uh, I mean, I will say like we had a a fellow who we gave quite a bit of money to at the end of his life, you know, suffering from cancer and he passed away before we the estate distributed to us. Um, So now, you know, but that was great for him. He got all of his money that he could use during his life and he would never have seen that inheritance. So, you know, there's that aspect where we made the quality end of this man's life quality pretty fantastic comparatively in terms of finances. Um, so i don't see more of a regret but i do see a like there's a certain category of people who don't care don't understand until it matters to them at the end of the day if that makes sense i do see people who take advantage of their position in the estate and cause problems that end up causing them problems but yeah not not so much in the regret space i would say and
0: on the opposite i would say i see people who find the advance as a life-changing positive where rather than waiting for a year to get life-changing money then get some of the money ahead of time i had a client recently who was inheriting a 500 thousand dollar property and we just sold it but before we sold it she wasn't get the proceeds until we closed the the probate which is still months away and her aunt who had raised her like a mother passed had no money for funeral. She was, you know, this is a woman who's basically living on welfare. And we advanced her $10,000 that she used to do what she wanted to do for her aunt or her mother uh, figure. And she was on the phone crying to me. She was so appreciative that I had it. I didn't do anything. I just introduced them to an advanced company. So I, I think that's the positive side that I don't know if you see that as an attorney, but I know that goes on in your industry.
1: I've seen a few I've had a few pretty heartwarming responses one like we funded basically the first two years of um, this woman's daughter's college she wasn't going to see that much she would have had to have taken out these big old loans with interest and she did not have to worry about that and her mother emailed me every other day for three weeks thanking me for helping get it through and you know figuring it out and whatnot I overwhelmingly it, it's positive responses from people who are in need of money and the probate process takes quite a lot of long time or they have a sibling who's hostile and causing problems and it's not their fault you know
0: yeah i think it's a real that's why i've really enjoyed getting into this space so by the call this meant to be participant, feel free to raise your hand or put a comment in the comment box and then again if you're watching i saw on the youtube we got a couple comments one was uh they remember the books but they remember there was a competing product, which is Shepard's, which I, I remember that also, that was a lot from I was in had a lot of books and they had both subscriptions. I forget which one was Shepard's and but Westlaw was like the main one. I so think
1: they're actually it's a combined thing. The Shepard's is like the citation checking aspect of Westlaw.
0: I think they like, bought them. I think there was at like one time two. Yeah,
1: there's so there's some Westlaw made all the money. And- so yeah, you, you look up, you know, Joe Smith versus Bob Smith and it'll tell, you know, Every point of law that that case made, it will say overruled or upheld, or you know, you can find any anything. It's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. And I now swear. you're just doing it on your computer screen or your phone probably or tablet.
1: I'm on my computer. Yeah, I'm on my computer, and then you can download cases. And the biggest, I mean, any any practicing attorney knows that secondary sources are where it's that where it's at. If you have Westlaw and you have access to secondary sources, that's other attorneys who spend hours reading the probate code and the cases, summarizing the main points of law that then you can go click into and get into the details. I mean, it's it's an absolute game changer for attorneys. And I just encourage every
0: agent in this uh, space to take the time to try to learn some of this and make an effort, buy a book. I'll, I'll never forget, I went to court once and I made a point on uh, how the commission was to be split. And the attorney kind of questioned, where'd you get that from? And I I've been reading I have a printer online of the probate code, but I brought the book in my briefcase. I had dog here to the spot. And I just pulled out. So what's right here in the probate code? And the judge said, well, what is that? It was like 11830.a. And the judge looked at it and says, wow, Mr. Gross is right. Okay, very good. We'll change the commission. Yeah.
1: I would say <laughs> that's uh, thrilling. Give yourself a uniform trust in estates code book as nice. well, because uniform trust in estates code is is a lot of states basically adopted it and just kind of slapped their name on it. But it's substantially similar throughout most states. So, like, yeah. If I, now, like, I have an understanding of UTC statute, well, then every UTC jurisdiction, I, I know the basics of. I don't need to get into the weeds of, you yes. know. Although the UTC is not, it's not going to cover, you know, some of these advanced specific regulations. But it's super helpful to get basics down. So,
0: and it's written in English. It is. Eh, I mean, you don't have to have a law degree to read the book you know they don't check your law license to sell to you on amazon do they they yeah. just sell it to whoever buys it
1: yeah the only thing being a you know being an attorney is just i spent three years with how people telling me how to read and think about things but i could still have read <laughs> it the whole time and figured it out you know they just help you figure it out you know
0: and then for this call being participative the only person on this call who gets a shout out is winston you know Winston Covington is a regular. I appreciate him being on here, but I'm feeling a little lack of love here. Winston gets the sh- hello from Douglas, but I don't get a hello. I don't get a uh, anything. Uh, let alone Christopher is nice to spend time with us today, but Winston Covington uh, and not even his wife, who's the better half. Uh, we got Winston. Got the, he, in fact, he's just off the call. I think so. Okay. So, in the course of your business. Um, most of your assignments come from attorneys i think it's just the way your company is set up right as opposed to direct consumer
1: Uh, i would say it's a it's a healthy mix and we also have other non-attorney attorney referral partners like funeral homes and things like that you know certain spaces where you're obviously you know going to have a source of referrals so you know it's a good mix between seo you know attorney referrals and that how about real estate agents? I'm not aware of that. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not on the, I've not heard that being a, a topic. I'm sure, well, I mean, we have, we have you, but you know, well, I'm sure there's uh, there's others out there, but uh, I don't hear that chatter much, so.
0: And, and I find it fascinating that we as realtors are out there talking to people who are getting ready to file probate. Right. And we talk to people as soon as they file probate. And when people are selling houses, they talk to us. And again, to everybody on this call, I just think this is such an underserved opportunity <laughs> for everybody. And I really urge you to learn more about it. If I don't do enough to teach you about it, that's on. i you know do the best I can. Take the initiative and learn about the space. Reach out to the companies involved with it and try to learn more about it and how to be more effective with it. So some of the times you guys have uh, advances based on an expected inheritance and it turns out not to be, right? Sometimes uh, I think there's one that you guys referred that I got involved with where the house wasn't worth as much as we thought it was. Right. Uh, and or the petitioner may or may not have the um airship may not have the the priority or whatever it might be. How often does that happen? Um that you I mean, obviously writing off or mistakes are part of any lender, you don't want to brag about it, but right. does that happen? Is that a significant part? And what do you do to try to eliminate that?
1: So it happens. I would say it's not like A significant part like if you have 500 advances, I would say there's less than 50 with an issue like that so, but when you have those issues they're tough they're complex and generally you have to deal with them very quickly. Um, In the space of like the the customer isn't. entitled to something that we thought at the beginning, we have them uh you know do quite a bit of attestations and and sort of a warranty thing where we're relying on you you know like but if someone challenges the will and that's the will they gave and they didn't know of any other will and they end up losing that you know because that will challenge well that's a situation where we probably have to cut our loss but if they lied to us well then they committed fraud and then there's a recourse there but it's not often i would say it's more often that you have some issue with the asset that we based our advance on. More often than not, the property, the real estate. The real estate's almost always the most valuable part of an estate, you know? And there's generally a few common problems that come up, um, especially California. If the executor's not doing their job, they're not being diligent, all of a sudden the house is in foreclosure and we're scrambling to try to help stop a foreclosure or to get them to just do their job. And, you know, the last thing we wanna do is sue someone in, for breach of contractors. It's the last thing I wanna do. So I, if I can save the property, I will. Um, I think the scenario you uh, were referencing even had a worse problem. We had a, a foreclosure that we want, we need to sell. And then all of a sudden we realize the house is like down to studs on the inside and there's like no value there. So now we're in the space of, What did the customer know when they came for this advance that they know it was down to studs do they not is it even worth going down that route or do we just want to say hey executor customer do anything you possibly can to sell this get a builder to assume the mortgage or something like you got to get creative to just save the property because we our interest is based on someone else's interest to receive from the estate but there's no contract between them They don't owe them money. It's just, if it's there, you get it. You know, it's not like the estate owes them money unless they, you know, do something illegal or breach fiduciary duties and whatnot. But yeah, I would say the estate foreclosure issue is pretty common. And then, um, yeah, uh, just valuation issues. Part of the problem, but it's inherent and I can't, it's not really a fix is that the underwriting process has to be pretty quick. Because these people are, if if we don't give them money in a day, and a half, they're going to go to another advanced company. So like, you have to balance. Like, we don't have time to get an appraisal, right? We just—it's not realistic. Call so us. I'll
0: go look at the property. I'm <laughs> this phone call.
1: Yeah, in <laughs> California. Right, right, right. But so, but for every advance, like that's just—it's something we discussed and something that underwriting doesn't feel is is, um, prudent um because it's going to cost them money so you, there's a balance of where it's a, there's inherent risks of we're, we're sort of just looking at the asset from like a quick overview or what it like Redfin Zillow you know there's some other services we have and the representations of the customers you know um and then you have situations where the customer damages the property like we have I've, I I remember an, a situation where like someone was doing drugs in the estate of property and then there was contamination and then they wanna clean up the property and spend a whole bunch of money and like, okay, well that everybody gets less money now, right? So, and that's, there's nothing I can do to stop that from happening. All I can do is deal with the uh, fallout from the, you know, the reality, I guess. So those, those are sort of the main things that come up. Like someone, Damaging the property us not really understanding the condition of the property and foreclosures like those are the big three that I see a lot.
0: I had one with another company wasn't you guys, fortunately, where the petitioner really wasn't the child of the decedent. Uh, She was raised like one. Uh, She referred to the scene as her father um but she didn't really think through the legal part or she ignored the legal part and out of the blue a blood sun shows up and uh contest the case similar case if you follow in the news Aretha Franklin where she had apparently a will that was filed in a safe deposit box not filed but in a safe deposit box from like 2010 but they found in furniture of hers after she passed a will she did after that 2014 did you hear about this
1: no was it a holographic will like a handwritten one yeah, handwritten will. classics oh so she did a handwritten will like up two months before she died like
0: well this was a this was similar to the one that she'd done 2010 meaning that also was holographic so okay. it wasn't like she had a professional attorney doing a stay plan all that it was just clear she'd written another version and didn't put it in the safe deposit box for whatever reason. She took it out and left it there by accident. You know, maybe it fell out and she she thought she put things away. Nobody knows, she's not around to talk about it. And the judge determined that it was valid and and superseded. And though there were certain errors who got ridden out as a result of that, um, it was a big deal. It's it's just fascinating how these everyday problems even apply on very wealthy people who have huge estates.
1: Yeah, so i mean in that situation where it's there wasn't a fraudulent misrepresentation the customer totally thought they were gonna what worse we're writing the thing off or the only other option is to try to muddy the waters enough to settle with the estate and say right. give us give us our advance amount back and we'll shut up you know but right. even that's a tough sell like you know so because think about too how much passion there usually is involved an in emotion involved like people fight over the smallest margins just because it's family property and stuff so you get an outside company in that says oh i'm owed part of this people don't like that sometimes you know and they'll just fight you
0: the case i had with um the woman who wasn't really the daughter um she and the brother kind of made peace on the phone and he agreed to cut her in for half and verbally kept saying yeah yeah we'll do it we'll get an agreement we'll get an agreement well he obviously just was stalling out for time until the judge assigned him with his petition and once he was in charge he told her no go away you're not going to get a nickel from me and so that was a case where the inheritance advance tried to get her with an attorney to represent her to negotiate a settlement but the customer knew she she knew the attorney she knew she could save money and what she learned the hard way was she ended up with nothing, so it's difficult.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. It happens. And people like yeah. to get
0: greedy. People get greedy. Okay. So look, we have an attorney here who who is licensed in Pennsylvania and a couple other states. Jersey. But really yeah. in New Jersey. But actually practices the business nationally. So if you're on this call, I saw somebody from Arizona uh, and other states. Not to say he can give you legal advice there, but he has some business advice in most states. Here's your chance to jump in and ask a question. So feel free. I also want to um I, I was I was concerned that it was my um uh browser that was the problem, but I'll go back and see if I can do this without creating it the audio feedback. But the company that he is the chief counsel for, is that the right, is that the right name? Title?
1: Legal Counsel is my title. They haven't given me general counsel yet. Maybe at the full year mark, mm-hmm. I'll general counsel, but it's just legal counsel in house counsel. counsel
0: in this space of uh, parent advances with Inherit Now, inheritnow.com. And they're a vendor that I work with and work in my preferred vendor in that space. Um, actually, my exclusive uh, first advances are with them because they're also helping me with our program, uh, Get Probate. So if you want to learn more about that, sign up for that program you'll get a link to a video i did that explains in detail even if you'll come to the live stream but they do a really good job and i feel really comfortable recommending them and but here you have an expert here so if you have questions again if you're watching on the live stream uh hello from gilbert arizona uh roy next day on the call and uh, feel free to jump in the questions questions please anybody Does have any virginia? jimmy yeah thank you jimmy in virginia uh, Jimmy and Virginia, what part of Virginia, you, Jimmy? Thank you, Bill. Um, can we back up a little bit just to first principles on how like, explaining to uh the potential let's call it beneficiary that this is not a loan, but just explaining how this is a I, you know, I heard the term purchasing a property interest, it's you know an assignment, it's not a loan. Can you just take it at the highest level on you know, like what is this interest that's being purchased and, you know how is it not alone um i think this thank you coming from, like how do you explain that so great yeah. question and chris you want to answer both generally and if there's any specifics of virginia that you're familiar with we would answer that yeah i
1: think it's going to be a general answer that's i'm going to no matter what state you're in um but i i when i'm talking to attorneys and if you've been to law school everybody kind of has heard the bundle of sticks argument, I always start out like saying, think of this as just one little stick that that you're selling us. And what that stick is, is when a right, a will has, has been written already and the person dies, at that moment they die, your interest vests in that will. You have a vested property right at that moment. It hasn't been destroyed, it has to go through probate, but we consider that a vested right to inherit at that moment. You have You have a right to get that. So you're selling us that right in exchange for an upfront payment. It's it's just that as simple as that vested right to receive money from the estate. We're not going to do it before someone died because it's not vested. But at that moment, we consider that a right that's vested into someone just like too like a payable on death account. Right. I mean, it's sort of the same thing in it, but it doesn't go through probate, and we don't advance on those for a few reasons. But yeah. I hope that makes sense I mean it really is just you know I, I don't I, I don't I'm trying to think of another example but
0: well so let me just ask to help clarify in whole or in part right so if someone might be inheriting a state worth a million dollars you can right. buy the whole or you, or more commonly you're gonna buy a small part of the whole from them right they have a million dollar coming you're gonna advance them ten thousand or hundred thousand against a million dollar estate
1: Right. Yeah. More often than not, we're not going to ad- advance so that we can encumber their entire interest. It's more like, okay, you Aunt Sally says you get fifty thousand. All right. Well, we're going to do a thirty thousand dollar assignment and give you fifteen thousand. So at the end of the day, you already got your fifteen. When they distribute to you, you'll get twenty, and we'll get thirty. If that makes sense. You can, however much you you want, we allow that. But w- it's, there's, I don't think there's case law on this. I'm not saying we're, I mean, but it's, it's taking uh, real estate principles sort of that we've learned and applying it to just property rights. I mean, you can have a right in any property. You can have a right to receive money, like accounts payable. Like I have a right, Uh, you sell accounts payables, like you have a right to be paid on this invoice in the future. I mean, it's, it's sort of the same thing. That's how we treat it. Right. That's how we talk about it.
0: I used to have a business and we were selling electronics, we had a huge contract for us at the time, a company's wanted to pay us $200,000 for product that cost us $100,000. But we didn't have the $100,000. And so we went to a company that advanced the $100,000 to the vendor, they took title to that invoice from our customer, the customer then paid them, and then we got the difference at the end. So we got our $100,000 profit less the fee that this company got so it's, that's called factoring and there's a whole industry and different businesses that factor money that's coming in and this is really i think the impetus of where this advances come from
1: yeah and we also we don't charge interest there, if you read through their contracts like there is no interest charge there's tranches based on dates of maturity so if it takes i'm and i'm this is just off the top of my head after three like we advance you on day one after 60 days your you know the the amount that we would receive on distribution is this amount and the longer it takes the more of that assignment we're allowed to take it looks a lot like interest but it's not interest right and so there's this like people look at it and they're like it's a loan and i'm like no it's not you just it look it reminds you of a loan but it's not a loan and when you break down the mechanics of it it doesn't operate as a loan at all we're not, go- we're not governed by any regulations with loans at all for the because of that legal concept.
0: And that's why they're very careful to say that it's not a loan, don't refer to it as a loan, don't use the word loan. In fact, I'm gonna edit out the word loan on this video just to make sure that Christopher <laughs> and the word loan aren't in the right. same YouTube video, just for his protection.
1: Right. Now we are thinking about getting into the business of inheritance loans. We have, we're not there yet. And we haven't, we don't have a product, but it's in, you know, whatever. But you know, there might be another space where maybe there is uh, a reason to do an actual loan and maybe to the estate, you know, for whatever. But the inheritance Adver- Advanced product is not a loan. It's a sale transfer and assignment of a vested right to property.
0: And for those listening, when I have right researched there. these advances, the average cost to the consumer is about 30 to 40%, depending on the company. Per year,
1: we are which the lowest. Sounds rate.
0: like a lot. I'm sorry.
1: We have the lowest rates of all the advanced companies. Like
0: I think so. Not interest, but yes, but even generally, they're all in the kind of the similar range of 30 to 40 percent. Mm-hmm. If you look at it like a loan, but what you don't factor in is the cost is different than a loan where Bank of America just sends you a statement, you make a payment, there's a credit. In this case they have to file legal papers they have to watch legal papers they have to understand the documents along the way so it is a little different and i think a fair price is what a customer is one to pay a vendor without being coerced and so it you have to really understand the product before you analyze it, i think and make a judgment that's my experience and there's, there's the price also an I oh, say, there's
1: also an end date to this growing amount if you will uh, after one Correct. year the, the amount will never get more whereas a loan Correct. on an interest that'll keep accruing in perpetuity you know what i mean you know? right so
0: which means if you make a mistake like a, i have a case right now where i was going to send a file to you but i'm not because the bar the uh petitioner didn't really want to sell the property well if you advance the money he doesn't sell the property and lizard for 20 years right. you know
1: yeah well we actually have in our agreements you will sell the property within one year so <laughs>
0: What happens is, if they change their mind or want or want to fight you on that? I mean, what what can you do? It's a
1: contract. I mean, or or we say, listen, this is not what you agreed to. If there's some other way you'd like to pay us, I don't know. Uh, we've had people offer like they decide halfway through the administration. Oh, we want to keep the property sentimental, blah, blah, blah. When they already agreed to sell it. All right. Well, if you get a loan and and pay us with the loan, maybe we don't care. There's a reality of it too, you know? know, but it's there for a reason for the situations where people don't want to play ball and they want to keep the house and not pay us. Right.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that. So I would have made sure to push this one to you sooner because he's going to have to sell. He doesn't want to. I just want to be the guy that brings you the file where the guy doesn't sell. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've been in court where your local competitors are there. It's like a five year case. I think, oh, my God, if I let, if I advance that money five years ago, I'd be so pissed because right. um, the old crew passed that first year or whatever in that case. So, OK, uh, Matthew Price, uh, let's get you in here. You have a question waiting patiently. What's going on? Yeah, uh, Chris, good seeing you. Mm-hmm. The, the, my question is, is that if you do advance the money and the property doesn't bring
1: what it's supposed to in order to pay off any previous liens like the mortgage or anything, Do you file a lien against that, or do you just go ahead and and say, okay, well, that's a loss. The estate's going to have to make it up on the personal property, or it's going to have to make it up in some other way. I would say the the answer is if everything that was told to us at the beginning is true, no one lied to us, we're not filing any liens. We're writing it off. If if, If there's not enough assets generally, because... We're, we're not we're not advancing on the estate just to be paid out of the real estate unless that's the only asset. We don't care where the money comes from. If you get it, if you get it from your uh, Wells Fargo account, you sell the three Toyotas. We don't care. But if that's the only asset, we're getting paid from it. But if there's the liabilities exceed the value and nobody lied to us, that's all, that's our problem, and we, we're stuck with writing that off. We're not we're not going to file a lean on that
2: okay
1: yeah thank you it's, yeah it's, it's it's there because there's such an inherent risk because of the fast-paced nature of underwriting that you know if no one lied to us and at the end of the day someone missed you know this has happened the estate attorney when we were advancing missed a ninety thousand dollar medical lien from the state missed it had no idea nobody lied to us but at the end of the day That medical lien came up and the value of those uh, liabilities exceeded the property. And I said to my CEO, better write this one off because there's no one to sue and there's no blood to squeeze out of any stones, you know? Yeah, I had one where the the property was worth $290,000, but the Medicare lien or Medicaid lien was three ninety four. dollars So we had to write that off yeah and once you get in the world of like liens and security interest then you start looking more like a loan and a mortgage and we don't want to look anything like that (laughs) yeah it's almost the cost of doing business in those situations to keep ourselves looking kosher too
0: yeah thanks thanks Matthew yeah and I think this field they're very concerned with the public opinion and the judge's opinion you know the judges can pretty much do whatever they want it, I mean, I know legally that's not the right thing to say, but in reality, if you're in the courtroom every day, they can pretty much do whatever they want. Now you can appeal and get them overruled. That's a nightmare process to go through. And yet, um, you know, when you when you do business in the jurisdiction, you don't want the judge to be having a grudge from one uh, matter to the next one, because then you're going to be in trouble. And so I think the industry is very careful of not just this in here right now, but in general, very careful to maintain a positive image with consumers, and it, I think with judges as well, which is well said
1: yeah I a great I, question
0: i'm sorry. I was ahead. just
1: going to add one little thing I, I think in the probate space, the judges are so 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 deferential to the family members executors. Because most of the time, these people are doing it without attorneys they understand the emotions it's they allow so much more bs than otherwise i've experienced yeah. in civil courts that are general so it's just you're in that space too so yeah Phoenix, you know yeah
0: um what a great question on youtube from uh, roy morales uh how are you then compensated for the advances or is that you're assigned to that particular probate i'm sorry so how do you end point. up getting paid how do you end up getting paid back you advance money to an estate Right. how do you get your money back
1: the estate will distribute directly to us 99 percent of the time like we filed our notices so the estate attorney is aware you know it's it's on the court file we've communicated with them and said hi here's the assignment agreement please be aware that you should distribute this amount almost most of the cases the estate just respects the agreement which is to me honestly wildly lucky for us. They because when you think about it and you break down the relationships, inherit now really only has like one foot in the estate circle. heirs are in here's the circle, the, the executors in the middle controls everything, all the heirs are around and they have certain rights and they'll get notices. We have one foot out of the circle and only one foot in because we have a relationship with the beneficiary in the circle. So we are a lot relying on just good faith respecting our contract now i've never had to pull this before but i always have in my back pocket against the estate attorney or executor who if they want to cause an issue hey you don't pay us you're intentionally interfering with your contract that's a tort we'll sue you for it i've never had to do that but it's in my back pocket because that's really what it is they're respecting a contractual relationship that one of the heirs made with us Now, you know, there is a bit of leverage there. There's this term called interested person, which most probate codes um, have a definition for. That's generally creditors or, you know, they're not anticipating advanced companies because that's no legislature anticipated us, but there's this category of persons who have certain rights less than others. And so, you know, at times I'll exert leverage as much as I possibly can to just say, hey, you not giving us the money is going to cause you more problems than it's worth just just respect the contract but yeah the the short answer is the estate just gives us the money they just write us a check and we oftentimes will sign a release saying estate distributed money we release them forever
0: California you filed your notice for the advance and then you get notices of any changes at some point they propose a distribution. I imagine you're checking to see, are you on the list to get money or not? If you're not, you could object theoretically. And if you are on, then you're going to let it go and you're going to get paid. And that is a pretty smooth process, I would think, in California.
1: Yeah, California, you know, I'd say almost once a week, I take a look at a petition for final distribution that um, someone sent over to me. And yeah, that's a great one. Um, There's other states where, like, you don't even have to file those things sometimes you don't have to even tell the court what you're doing right and I have to go tell my underwriting team like hey just so you know when you advance in this state I have no ability to find out xyz until you know we don't get paid right like so that's a challenge um, but yeah California is the gold standard for all for all of this process and protections for both the consumer and for us and except I think was, for your bs foreclosure process i'm used to i i think i said this to you i'm a northeast guy it blows my mind these non-judicial foreclosures that california allows like you could just foreclose on a property in like two months without even going to court where i'm used to like there's a court case for like almost every foreclosure in pennsylvania so that's it. that's blows my mind
0: well it's changing in california our non-judicial are looking more like judicial foreclosures Good. all the time <laughs> Go well good and bad I think the problem is going to be if you don't let people foreclose on loans the market's been great for lenders there have been a lot less foreclosures but as soon as lenders start losing money they're going to stop lending because they're going to realize they can't foreclose and it's uh, I think it's a real problem brewing but that's a whole nother discussion okay hey we're, we're coming up in the hour here I really appreciate those who participated. Uh, Christopher, thank you so much. I love working with your company. And I really, you and I did an interview previously. But thanks so much for coming on and sharing with everybody. I really appreciate you doing that. I, I know you're at the point of contact. Uh, but if you're interested in advanced services, inherit now is the company. And or if you uh, have questions on Herit, uh, on yeah, inheritance, contact me emails. and I'm coordinating real estate agents with them. Also, I have getprobate.cash on wednesdays 8 30 a.m pacific time that we go over that in detail but christopher thank you so much for being on the call today i really appreciate your time
1: yeah, yeah thanks bill
0: for having me appreciate it thanks everyone thank you, thank you. and for the rest of you if you're local in los angeles it's almost five o'clock at 6 30 we have the la county real estate investor association meeting in the culver city area I motor just south of the 10 freeway at the iman center i'm a vendor there and i hope you're there and come by and say hi If not, we do probate weekly every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. Sorry for the drama with the audio today. I'm not sure what it was, but thank you for suffering through it. Thanks for those who participated and asked questions, Matthew and a couple of the others of you uh, on the YouTube. And Jess, thanks for stepping in and pitch hitting. Make a great week. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.